Now we're going to explore the first C of this compassion strategy, centeredness. Because to operationalize and lead with a compassion strategy, we must be able to choose our focus, play with purpose, and activate our agency. The most effective leaders, particularly those during times of crises, know when to zoom in and when to get out, get into the details, and when to zoom out and take that 30,000-foot view. And often they do this at imperceptible speed. They check into what's happening internally, managing what's happening internally, pay attention to the social environment, and then manage relationships with facility and ease. Because after all, every in-the-moment decision affects the long-range horizon, and every far-reaching decision has an immediate impact. The capacity to stay, as I like to think about it, is the orchestra pit and then run up to the balcony allows us to be more choiceful and intentional about the right lens to adopt at the right moment in the right situation to ensure that our impact on our teams, our organizations, our industry, and indeed the entirety of the ecosystem is moving the needle forward. Bringing wisdom and compassion requires what being called centeredness, a state of greater mindfulness achieved by engaging all parts of the mind to be fully present. And Bain looks at it as the precondition to using one's leadership strengths effectively. Centeredness exercises the neurobiological muscles of being choiceful and intentional about what to focus on and when. It expands our awareness and ability to hold the good, the bad, and the ugly with expansiveness and compassion rather than romanticize or catastrophize. And bringing intentional focus is a key component of putting centeredness to action. It shifts us from rumination to reflection. For simplicity's sake, we look at this across two dimensions, how focused or directed we are, or how scattered, distracted we might be, and our attention is to the present moment, and also how broadly, strategically, we're looking at something, or how tunnel-visioned or singular we are about what's happening around us. And when we are unintentional about our focus, we may become vulnerable to becoming the scattered brain genius, or we may become so expansive to everything that's happening around us, we forget what we're supposed to be doing. Or we may be super attentive to our one project or the minutia of a project that we fall into the trap of busyness. So we're trying to fit pieces to fit into a corner of a puzzle without really seeing what the puzzle is supposed to be or why we're even putting the puzzle together in the first place. And often leaders can appear very effective in getting tasks done and completed if they are intentionally focused. However, if they're too myopic, they become, or they may become overly reliant on the status quo or ignore critical signals of impending change. Yet when we bring an expansive vision and intentionally direct our attention when, where, and how we need, we can then bring our full presence, attuned to our inner world and our environment to strategize and act with wisdom. Now, another important com of component of cultivating centeredness is purposeful play. After all, centeredness alone isn't sufficient to strategize and execute on vision, right? Especially given the broader community and global impact. And we know research shows that those who embrace purposeful play invite experimentation, iteration, and prototyping. 
And keep in mind that play isn't about free-for-all, anything goes. And in fact, research shows that scarce or limited resources result in greater creativity and innovation. Margaret Wheatley and Myron Kellner Rogers noted that playful tinkering requires consciousness. So there's a discipline to play. It requires focus and concentration and being aware of everything that is happening so that we can respond with minimal hesitation. And the more self and other aware we are and present to the current environment, the more choice we create. Play also allows leaders to acknowledge the absurdity of challenging situations and offer space to imagine possibilities with a dose of healthy humor. Robert Hauch found that 91% of executives believe that humor is important for career advancement and 84% believe that it actually enhances job performance. In an HBR article, Brad Bitterly and Allison Woodbrooks note that abundant benefits await those who view humor not as an insulary organizational behavior, but as a central path to status and flourishing at work. And now we're seeing institutions like Stanford's Graduate School of Business offering a course on humor in the workplace. Because there is the evidence that shows that humor isn't about just anything goes again, but it's about really considering the appropriate humor at the right time to invite exploration and iteration. And there are four general types of humors that we can consider. That which divides at the expense of others, that which divides at the expense of, of me, that which connects with good humor, and maybe it's a good humor poke at me, and that which unites with shared laughter. And this last type of humor, shared laughter, has been shown to build trust, relationships, actually increase our problem-solving skills, as well as enhance creativity. And teams that take an approach of purposeful play are more ready to face the continually changing landscape and to take a more proactive approach to inevitable changing tides. The third component of centeredness is active agency. In other words, our willingness and power to act. And especially during times of tumultuous change, our inner world might call us to put our heads down. But as leaders, we have an obligation to put a stake in the ground, to have a point of view and to initiate action, even if we aren't 100% certain that is the proper course of action. So we have the choice of explaining what is happening around us, whether everything happens to us or that we have a role and the power to influence that which is happening around us. We can choose to focus what we can control or not. We can also choose to do nothing, which is an intentional action itself. But when we do this, we are either abdicating our leadership role or our responsibility as leaders. So we need to be careful we have to be careful that if we choose action, but we focus on those things we can't control, we may be overreacting. We may essentially unintentionally lead others to greater anxiety. And when we actively focus on what we can control and influence, however, we become nimbler to respond with choice and with greater intention. So in looking at centeredness, it's about focus, play, and agency. And these areas help to strengthen our capacity for centeredness, which then lets, lets us lead more intentionally with a compassion strategy. 
It helps us to connect our ever-changing inner states with the ever-changing outer world. Let's take a moment to reflect. So pull out your journals, pull out your notebooks, and consider this. Take a few moments to ask ourselves, what will help me to be more choiceful about my moment-to-moment presence? Next, we will be looking at the second part of the compassion strategy, which is courage.